Right, come on then, let's get on with it. And we're looking good, you'll be in for a fight And we fight pretty good, getting goals is our job And we get goals good, looking good, we are Carlisle United Hello everyone, you're listening to the Brunson Bugle The number one place to get your Carlisle United fix in the podcast world I'm Lee Rooney And I'm Mike Booth Where do you f- start with that? United are battered by Mansfield in a Valentine's Day massacre We look back on the 4-0 defeat of the Stags at Brunton Park Before previewing this weekend's home clash with Colchester United Never has our theme tune been less appropriate than today, Mike. <laughs> I know. There was nothing looking good about that performance uh, the other night. Yes, uh, I don't even know where to start with it. It's It was just... It's come out of nowhere, really, hasn't it? Because yeah. in reality, the last two games, we haven't played badly. We played okay, actually. We played you know, pretty... Pretty well against Wimbledon. Okay against Harrogate. Another day we'd probably beat them cup 2-0. And just did not turn up for this one, did we? It just... It, it randomly reminds me of the Macclesfield Town away game in 2006. Do you know what? I... Go on. You just, couldn't, you just couldn't see it coming. But it actually, looking back, it was actually one of the best results we got that season. Because it really fired a rocket up a, up everyone's backside for the for the rest of the campaign. 100%, you're absolutely right there. And actually, I mentioned that one after the Harrogate game. I mentioned the fact that, you know, teams do have these stinkers, even, you know, good teams who go on to win titles. And Lummy mentioned it again after this game in some of the post-match stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I think we're, we're going to get into it in a minute. We'll discuss it. But it's, yeah, it, it, I don't think anyone who watched that thought it was good. But we also need to be calm about it. We need not need to lose our heads, and that's something mm. we'll talk about as well. Because I think some of the reaction has been ridiculous from some of our fans. But but, but we'll talk about that when we get onto the preview section. Um, right. Well, we'll get going then. Um, first up, obviously, as usual, we've got to tell you all about our sponsor and where you can find us on social media and how to get in contact with us. We'd like to say a big thank you to the Carl United Sports Club London branch for once again sponsoring the podcast this season. The London Branch is open to all Cal United fans. They've got members from Cornwall to Dundee and Houston to Singapore and of course every part of London and the South East. They regularly meet up on away trips as well as arranging many social events, sporters games and fundraising for the club. This season they'll be providing us with information for the away games as part of the preview section. You can find out more about the London Branch at their website, carlislelondonbranch.org. If you haven't already... Please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on all good podcast apps, whether it's Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts. Basically, search for the Brunton Bugle, click subscribe, and then when a new episode comes out, you'll get a little notification to tell you to download it and listen to it at your leisure. Also, if there's an option to review on any of those apps, please do so. If you can give us a five-star review, that would be really lovely. It's a great way for us to get the message out about the podcast and so more people can learn about it. And uh, yeah, we can spread the word even more. You can also find us on social media, at Brunton Bugle, on Instagram and Twitter. If you go onto Facebook and search for the Brunton Bugle, click like as well. You can follow our page. Uh, we're also on the Be Just On Fear Not Facebook group and also on the Buzzies Back message board, the new message board that's replaced the Cumbrians.net. Uh, and also, if you want to drop us an email, Bugle at gmail.com. Right, Mike, just one little bit of news to cover before we get into the uh, match review. Um, so, unfortunately, we don't we can't put it off for too long. Um, it's something we missed, actually, on Sunday, didn't we, when we did the uh, preview for the um, for last night's game. Um, yeah. It happened on uh, Saturday at lunchtime. Uh, one of the second-year YTS players has gone on a work experience deal to Workington Reds, hasn't he? 
Mm, Kai Nugent. Yeah, so young Kai Nugent, um, sort of an attacking, creative midfielder. Um, he's a second-year YTS, as we mentioned there. He's, I think he's still 17, though. Um, he's been on the first-team bench a couple of times this season already. Um, he's been training with the first-team quite a lot, actually. So it, it's one of those ones with the work experience deals. It's kind of like unlimited, isn't it? There's no like time frame on it because you're going to a non-league club. You don't have to say it's for one month or whatever. He can be called mm. at any point in that in that um, move. So he's gone there for the uh, basically for the rest of the season, by the looks of things, is the, the impression we're getting. Um, so yeah, a good move for him. He made his debut on at the weekend in the... Uh, I think it was a 1-0 defeat to Bootle at home for Workington. A bit of a disappointing result for that for them because they were chasing down Macclesfield at the top and I think Macclesfield might have uh, opened the gap up a little bit more in their division. So it looks like it's looking like playoffs for Workington this season. So it's a really good chance for him to get some experience actually because you get the impression, don't you, Mike, the fact that he's gone on on work experience here, he's probably likely to earn a permanent deal, isn't he? Yeah, you'd think so. He he played a couple permanent of games. Deal with us, sorry, I should say a, a, a professional contract, yeah. not a permanent deal with them, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, he played a couple of games for us in pre season. Um and the impression I got is that sometimes with these young lads they actually don't have a growth spurt until mm. they're actually like eighteen, nineteen sometimes. Yeah. And um yeah, he's he's not the, the tallest lad, but he's certainly got the ability and, and drive from what I've seen to hopefully uh push on. I did enjoy uh Simo's comment saying that he's vertically challenged like himself. Yeah. Um, uh, Simo's a perfect example. He's not the biggest person, you know, but Mm. he he had a very good career in the the Premier League and the Football League. So, you know, there's every chance for Kaiser. Hopefully, it'll be a really good uh, experience for him going out to Reds and um, he might even get a promotion under his belt. You never know. You never know. Um, in terms of loan watch, there was no. I think there was a midweek fixture for Celtic or Celtic. I've not had a chance to check it yet. I, I presume Daniel would be involved again, but they're not having a great time of it. Clearly, we'll cover that uh, maybe uh, next week on the um, loan watch. Uh, well, I've done enough for putting off having a mic. Um, let's talk about Cal United four, Mansfield Town. Sorry, <laughs> oh, Freud and slip there. <laughs> but if, if only Cal United nil, Mansfield Town four. Yeah. I mean, wowzers. It's just like, to, to quote that uh, Scottish commentary guy, jeezy peeps. Um, yeah, it, it, it just, it, it was a strange one. I watched this on the iPhone. I didn't go for it. Me and you both went up for the last Tuesday night, two Tuesday night games. Yeah. Um, we were lucky enough that you had the both of them off. And as a result, we could share the drive in terms of petrol. I, I wasn't paying best part of £50 to drive up for this one. I just can't justify doing that for the third time in four weeks. And I think a lot of people were like that. The crowd was down a little bit. Something we'll, we've got as a talking point for later. And it and it kind of felt flat from the very start. And we actually played some all right stuff in the first 10, 15 minutes. We actually, there was a couple of moments we made some nice little passing moves in the edge of the box. We thought, yeah, okay, we've got a chance here. But Lucas Aikens always looked a bit of a threat for them. And I, I've never been that impressed with Aikens. He's a weird one because he's a very gangly striker. He, his control's actually not the best when you watch him. But he's effective yeah. and, and players are scared of him. And it was weird because too many times we backed off him early on and that, that instantly gave them a bit of a lift and then obviously the goal came and confidence just dropped from that point, didn't it? And it just, it, it's, just a, it's just a strange result all around, isn't it? Yeah, I think incisive is the word that you'd probably use to describe yeah. Mansfield. Uh, you know, it, it just seems they kind of only maybe had four really, really good half chances and they put them all in. Yeah, the, only, the only other chance outside of those ones really was the one they hit the post. Yeah, They were just exactly. so effective and 
I think Simo's right that we, sh- we shouldn't be disrespectful and suggest that they weren't any good because they were good. Yeah, they were good. They definitely. weren't the best team I've seen this season, and they didn't mm. pass us off the park. But what they did, they were very effective, and they chose their moments yeah. right, and they the balls into the box when they did get them in were very good. Exactly, and that, and that's what you want away from home. Um, you know, away from home, you're not really going to dominate teams with sixty, seventy percent possession and play teams off the park. You're just going to maybe you're just going to take your chances, and that's that's exactly what they did. Well, I mean, look at it. They've scored four goals, and that's your four shot, four of you six shots on target. The other shots on target were the cross shot that Holy tipped over the bar, mm. which was for me. I still think that's an overhit cross. I don't think that's a shot at all. And the other one was the um, the shot that Holy spilled just before the goal. So beyond that, <laughs> that's mm. all they've had. They've hit the post as well, and that's it. Mm. So it, it's it's a frustrating. It, I don't want to say it's a freak result because it kind of feels like you're giving them a bit of a scapegoat there for the players for the, in terms of the performance because the performances weren't good enough. But mm. there is a bit of an element of that to it, I think. It just, yeah. everything seemed to go wrong at once, really. That was the problem. Um, in terms of when the team was announced, Mike, um, I don't think anyone was really surprised to see him go back to the combination of a bit of pace and a bit of experience up front, was were we? No, I mean that's that's what we were calling for, you know, before the game, and that's that's what he went with. But it just, I mean, the lineup on the whole, I don't think anyone's going to say that he got it drastically wrong because that's no. the, the sort of lineup that's got us to where we are in the table. Uh, yeah, you, you can't really pinpoint any one thing that where it went wrong. It just went wrong in loads of different ways, really. Yeah, uh, in terms of the rest of the team selection, uh, the only change was on the bench, wasn't it? And that was, uh, unfortunately, Jamie Devitt mm. pulled out because he he injured himself in the warm-down after the Wimbledon game and he's out for four weeks of a calf injury, which is... Uh, it just sums up the look that Jamie's got mm. these days, doesn't it? And I, I mean, I think realistically we all know he's probably not going to get a contract at the end of the season because we he's, yeah. he's, he can't stay fit for long enough, which is a shame. I still think he's a great character to have around the club, but we can't keep doing that forever. That, that's yeah. the thing. For this one season, I think it's been the right thing to do. He's given us that bit of experience and some of the younger midfielders can learn from him. But I think realistically, we're looking at now, he's probably going to be looking for a new club come the summer, which is mm. a real shame, but, you know, we'll always be grateful as well. I mean, I'm, I'm told like he's already gone. He's not yet, obviously, but, you know, I'll, we'll always be grateful for those four games when he, when he, you know, Simo came in and he made a difference then, didn't he? So, oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. Um... Yes, I mean, at the start of the game, yeah, the, the, the first goal, it comes from, it initially came from, it. they did a good little bit of play on the edge of the box and there was a low shot that Holy parried and then Feeney, I think it was someone cleared out for a throw-in. James Phillips on the radio was banging on about this parrying and it all started from that. Like, that's, that's not even close to being having any effect on the goal for me. I, I think mm. that's a, a, such a, a non-event in terms of the goal. The fact that he parried it and then it was booted out for a throw because the ball's long gone then. The important thing is the ball's not gone in the back of the net. He's not spilled it to a, an attacker. It wasn't the... Maybe he probably could have held it, but it wasn't exactly a, a one where he's, he's parried it straight to someone. So, not fussing that, but far too easy, the opening goal, isn't it? Yeah. Throw in on the left, finds Quinn. and we Everyone knows what quality Stephen Quinn's got. You know, he's played for Ireland. Mm. He's, he's played at the highest level. To give him that much time to put a cross in, for me, it's poor from both Feeney and from um, uh, from Gibson. I've got to ask the question. I'm not sure where Joel Senior is on this goal as well. To be fair, because he's the right wing back, 
Yeah. Why is Feeney out there coming out for the throw-in? I'm not entirely sure where he is, no. It's a strange one, because you expect Feeney to be one of the defenders in the middle, challenging to mm. stop ahead. I mean, Feeney did not have a great game, and we'll talk about that later. Mm. Um, but yeah, the ball swung into the box, and Moxon got bit, beaten a bit too easily by um, Ollie Clark, and um, he powered ahead into the top corner. I mean, Holy's got no chance with this header, is it? It's a great header, to be fair. Mm. But it's just all far too easy, isn't it? There's no yeah. there's no pressure on the cross and there's no real pressure to stop the attacker getting a header. Yeah, I mean I have to say as well, I mean the cross, like you know, for Holy it's just it's probably a yard or two just outside the six yard box, so it's kind of just outside of where he can claim, but it's not so far away that it's The point that know, it gets it, down to the height where he can claim it as well is not really yeah. It's not like it looped high and came down. It was a difficult one. It's not like it's a sort of flat one. The flatter mm. ones, it's much easier for him to come because he, he knows I'm, I'll mm. tower over them. I'll come and get it. It was a high looping cross and it was. A, it, it's a great cross. Mm. <laughs> it really is a great cross, but he shouldn't be given the time to get the cross in that easily, especially someone of his quality. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem with that one. Uh, goal number two, Alfie Kilgore on 25 minutes. It's too easy again, this one. Uh, initially, this comes actually from Holy tipped up. Basically, one of their players tried to sort of... Mm. I don't think it's even a cross shot. I think it's just over-hit cross. That it's almost looping in. And most keep, other keepers probably were beaten by it because of Holy's height, he tipped it over mm. the bar for a corner. Um, the corner in from uh, Davis, Killia Dunn. Um, it, it's a well-taken one, but again, is there, there's a question on this one. Should... should should Holy come for it? I don't think it's quite... It's not in his six-yard box. It's, it's no, a little it's bit outside. Again, it's in that the area of, like, he could come for it, but if he misses it, then he's completely unguarded. Mm. The goal. Um, I mean, he leapt like a salmon there, lad, to be fair, but yeah. Moxon, at the same time, did he even jump? I, I question why Moxon is marking their strongest header of the ball, a defender there as well. For me, I, 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 I'm not sure on that one. Samo did actually say after the game in the post-match interview for the first two goals that the players going for the headers, for uh, the players marking who in that situation were wrong ones. Basically, mm. the wrong, people were not picking up their men, which suggests that Moxon ended up picking up the man on both occasions when he shouldn't have been. Mm. He should have been someone else doing it. So, in a sense, maybe you can't blame Moxon because he's having to do a job that he wasn't really meant to be doing at that point. But yeah, it's headed down into the ground. And I've heard a few people, I've said on the radio as well, but it's difficult for them on the radio because they only see it once, that it's bounced up in front of Holy. You should maybe be stopping that. Actually, when you look back at it, Lucas Aikens is doing a very smart thing as well here in that he's sort of blocking off Armour. And both Armour and Aikens block Holy from being able to actually mm. get to the ball. So Holy can't dive to the ball because of those two there. I'm not. I, it's not clutching at straws. I'm just making a point here. There's a chance that Aikens is actually offside and interfering with play because he's blocking Holy and Armour from getting to the ball there. Because actually, if you look at it, Holy's beyond. Yeah, that's the true. So if you look at it, actually, I think it's Armour's the last man, then there's Aikens, then there's Guy. It, it's borderline as to whether he... I think he probably is just off Aikens, but, I mean, good luck to our linesman and referee spotting that. There's no yeah, chance we're ever going to spot that. So. It's too complicated. Yeah. So, But either way, it's slack defending, and we should be doing better on that. Again... There's a small argument that maybe Holy could do better in terms of saving it, but I, I don't think he can get to it because of the defender and the attacker in the way. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's down to 2-0. And this is the point where his heads just went a little bit. I and mean, it's Morgan yeah. Feeney that's lost his head a little bit here. And that it's, well, it's you a say bold... that. Go on. Well, I was just because I, I didn't think it was ever a penalty. I think, I think it, it is. 
Uh, it's it's one of them. I think if it happens outside the box at another point in the game, I think the referee might just let the game carry on and flow a little bit. I, I, I disagree for me. I, for me, Davis Killian again has won the header. He's flicked it up in the air. It's going nowhere. And, and for me, Feeney's just coming and clattering him. He's not He's not won the head. He's he headed into the back of the man. It's really, really slow. From him as well, that's really sloppy play. Someone like him, you, you, when you compare it against Saturday at, at Wimbledon, and we gave him a lot of praise after that game, didn't we, and said that mm. Harry Pell's got a good three or four inches on him, and he beat Pell to every single header. He was outstanding in terms of his defensive work on Saturday. To then get beaten by someone who's a few inches shorter than you, to a header like that, far too easily... It just suggested to me that too many players had an off night on this game, didn't they? Mm. So the penalty was given. Lucas Aiken steps up. First penalty we've uh, conceded this season, isn't it? Actually, as well, I think. Mm, yeah, remember rightly. So the first chance to see Holy up in a penalty, and to be fair, Aiken just sent him the wrong way. <laughs> so not much you could have done about it in the end. It's three 0 and then the fourth goal that comes on thirty. At this point, heads had gone a little bit again, and we had a. I mean, there's a period of about eight, eight or nine minutes there where okay, it's fine. But then totally switching off, throwing down the right, flicked on towards Keelia Dunn. Good bit of holder play for him as well, and he holds off um, Huntington, slips the ball inside, and, and it's too easy for you. He hits the right wing back, and what you know, he's in there. How has mm. he got space and time? And he's able to put it past Holy. Holy hasn't really got much of a chance because he's hit pretty quick. And it's 4 0. And with that one again, I'm not sure what Morgan Feeney's doing on this goal. He, mm. He's marking it. There's, someone else has already got the front post covered. He's in between them and and Huntington. He's not really marking anyone. He just he didn't have a good game, Morgan Feeney. I think it's fair to no, say. Well, in first half, nobody did. No, I mean, we'll talk about performances in a minute. But yeah, and that was it. And at that point, Simo's just half-time. I mean, I'm sure he could have easily made all five subs if he really wanted to. Mm. As it is, he makes the three subs, doesn't he? And mm. goes quite attacking, in fairness. You know, he, he basically went to a 4-2-4. Oh, Moxon became the, I think, how many, maybe the fifth player to play at right wing back this season? Mm. Or right back as it was actually by then? So he played, went into the back four with obviously Mellish and Feeney as centre backs and Armour still at left back. And then you used to have a midfield two of Guy and Harris with a front four of Gordon on the left, Patrick on the right, and Garner and Dennis down the middle. And yeah, it just kind of. I just wasn't. He was, was okay. There's there's an argument in the second half that Mansfield didn't try as much. You know they didn't. You know they they could have gone a bit harder on us and maybe gotten a couple more if they really wanted. But they sat off because they'd done their job. Yeah. I think there's an extent of that, but I've also think actually we did step up a little bit. I mean, it wouldn't have taken much to step up beyond what we were mm. in the first half. But there definitely was an improvement in the second half. There was a bit more about bite about it. I mean, I think you did you make the point about yellow cards in another chat we were having, Mike? And oh, someone else got, did, yeah. Yeah. I think we only had one player booked in the first half. Yeah, that was Gordon, wasn't it? For a, yeah. a little bit of a late lunge, and you kind of want it. You just want a couple of players to go and smash someone. And mm. I know Lummy made the point on the radio, didn't he? That you, you don't want to lose your heads, but at the same time, it maybe gets the crowd going a little bit because mm. the crowd was so flat. And I, I understand why you know there's an, similar arguments about the fact you know the crowd needs to lift us, but we also need to lift them. That's where the, maybe the players need to lift the crowd, get a few tackles mm. in there. Because the, mm. the problem was there was too much standing off. There wasn't enough pressure on players at times. Yeah. That, that, that's where the issues were. Um, I mean, in terms of chance in the second half, I've only written down Moxon's free kick that was saved by the keeper, which is pretty straightforward, to be fair. Mm. I should actually mention, like, we did have a chance to get one back just before half-time. 
John Mellish has been, pushed, he'd been yeah. pushed into midfield for the last five or ten minutes of the second half. And he was clean through on goal. It's a great run. It's on his why, right foot, though, wasn't it? Why did it? Why did it? The thing is, he didn't have to put it on his right foot. Mm. He could have took it across. And at that point, the defender would have had to bring him down if he was going to stop him there when he brought it onto his left foot. And he gets himself into a better position to hit it with his stronger foot. And as it was, he did because it was on his right, he just hit it straight at the keeper. And it was mm. pretty straightforward save for Pim in goal. And I don't rate Pim as a keeper at all. I think he's... That's the thing that disappointed me as well. We did not put any pressure on him. Mm. A lad who's, what, six foot one maybe at best. He might even be less than six foot tall. He's not a big keeper at all. Why are we not pinning him on every single corner and whipping mm. him in to the, the near post? That really disappointed me. Um, yeah, into the second half, the Moxon free kick, and their, their lad got away on goal as well. This was very late on when we were sort of pushing forward a little bit and uh, hit one that came back off the post and was cleared, and, and, and that's about it really, isn't it? It was... It was pretty dire all round the yeah. performance. Um, should we do Dan's six second? Dan's given us a six second review of this one as well. He was at the game. Yeah, the only one of the three of us was there. So this is what Dan had to say. The English dictionary classes rubbish as a noun, and in a mainly UK informal sense, it's something that you think is very low quality or not true. So the match was rubbish. The team with a load of old rubbish. And I think that perfectly uh, sums up Tuesday night's game. That first half was probably the worst 45 we've played under Paul Simpson. Nothing went right. We were beaten in the air, on the floor. Our pass retention was poor. We didn't really create anything. It was just a shambles. And we had to make changes at half-time. You know, the fact that it, it the second half was nil-nil was... Probably the only positive of the night. But no, it's happened. I'm sure Paul Simpson's dealt with it afterwards. Brush ourselves down, move on and go again this weekend. Big fans to see Dent there for a uh, contribution <laughs> to the thing there. Oh, that's a funny way he was going there at the start, didn't you? <laughs> um, it pretty much sums it up, doesn't it, really? It's not really yeah. massive amount you can add to that. Um, yeah, just, I mean, just in terms of that, you mentioned about, you, mentioned about, you know, Pass retention and stuff like that, and, and stats. Possession wise, we probably our best possession stats of the season sixty one percent. It's mad, isn't compared it? Compared to thirty nine, and you might be thinking, "Oh, that's just from the second half, isn't it?" Where you know Mansfield sat off at that point, and you know they they didn't do as much. You know that that's that, that's probably where it's come from. Well, no. When you look at the first half stats, I'm just checking the possession here: fifty seven percent to forty two percent. Then. Mm-hmm. Second half alone, I'm, I'm, I've got the up on who's scored.com here. Our second half possession stats 64% to 35. Mm. So, like, there's not a huge amount of difference and in terms we, of possession we've, in half. We've battered teams this season when we've had less than 50% possession. You know? Yeah. It's... And, and actually, our, our past success is better than it's been for a lot of games this season 64% mm. to 57 for them in the first. That was in the first half alone. Mm. Overall, sixty six fifty four. I mean, all it, oh, the, the big issue was that basically we didn't press in the same way we have in other games, did we? No. And that, that, that's where the problem comes. When you look, when we played at our best, we hunt players in packs. We've got three or four players. I mean, did it at Wimbledon on Saturday a few times down, mm. the, down the left, didn't we? Three or four players hunting the ball, going at them. And we never, ever got a grip of that. They had a very experienced midfield, you know, with, with Quinn and Wallace in there and, you know, Bowery playing on the left wing back and, 
you know, even you know, Aikens up front with his experience, and even Kelia Dunn, you know, he's he's played plenty of games at this level, and um, and we just they had that little bit more Nelson, and that that was unusual because we're normally quite street wise, and it just I just can't, I can't think how to explain it really. It's a, it's a strange one, isn't it? Yeah, and, and that's football sometimes, and I think if it was uh, an all round battering sort of in every way, shape and form, then maybe you'd need to look at massive, colossal wholesale changes. But as it happens, it was just goals that they beat us on. And I know that that's the most important one. Yeah. But, you know, maybe we don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater on this. The one thing they did beat us on was tackles. So we had 11 to 20 for them. So maybe that's mm. the problem. We weren't getting enough tackles. We weren't really doing, being strong enough in terms of that sort of thing. So... That's probably an area where we need to slightly improve, possibly. Obviously, shots as well. They beat us on that, but not massively. You know, four more shots than we did in the end. Um, you've got to argue. I mean, straight away, I've picked up... I've only put a few actual points in it, but we can talk about all we want about it. But defensively, a bit of a shambles, wasn't it? It was just... That's one way of describing it, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. You took Huntington and Senior for half-time. Huntington, I get the impression that that's, he's an experienced head... He won't mind as much. He'll understand what I'm doing here. He'll grasp it. He, he mm. knows that he's not being used as a as a um, what's Scape the word? Girl. Scapegoat. Yes, um, in that situation. Plus, he's what 35. Save his legs for the weekend. There's, there's no mm. the game's gone by that point. Keep him fresh for this weekend's game because it's it's undoubtedly been tough. The fact we've had a game all the way down in London this weekend mm. and had to come all the way back up to then play Tuesday night against a team that's you know gunning for us. You know, six points behind with a game in hand. Mm. So that's never going to be easy. Um, with Joel Senior, is this maybe this game too far that that Simo's been going on about? Possibly, maybe. Um, it, it, I mean, but we, you, you say Senior, but by all accounts, there's some other players who were looking a bit leggy. Uh, Moxon, by all accounts, was, uh, uh, Moxon wasn't as good. I mean, for, for me, Senior was two or three times. He wasn't again crosses coming from the left and stuff and not putting pressure on and obviously we didn't know where he, it wasn't even there for that one which was, was strange in itself and then there's two or three times he plastered the ball straight out of play and I thought he's struggling he didn't look as sharp he looked mm. really sharp at the weekend didn't he Wimbledon and he did mm. not look sharp in this one and again it's one of those ones you think Jack Ellis fit at the weekend that might be quite handy that in terms of being able to bring him in and give Senior another little rest Cause it, you know what it cannot be easy when you're out for 11 months and then to come back and play these intense games yeah, I definitely. play the full ninety minutes as well in most of them as well. Yeah, exactly, 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 and and likewise, you know, with Moxon, you forget that last season he was part time, and we said earlier this season that you know playing forty odd League Two games will be a big ask on his body, and you know I'm wondering if we're we're starting to see that now. Yeah, absolutely. I think like it's one of those ones in Moxon and. I, I, you don't want to overreact too much on that one as well because he clearly is a big, strong, creative player for us. I've seen a few things about Gibson. He came off as well first half. I thought he actually looked quite lively creatively, but I'd agree that he did not do enough to press on a few occasions as well, which probably didn't help. I've seen it. Dan himself has said, hasn't he? He thinks that he should be dropped for the next one. We should go back to 4-3-3 and stick Gordon and um, Patrick down the wings. If I was going to do anything, I'd probably stick Gibson down the right and, and Patrick down the left. Patrick came on down the right last night and he, he never looks right on the right, does he? 
I don't know what it is. I know he's right no. footy, but he never looks. He looks much happier on the left, and I'm sure that's why Definitely. Gordon wants to play as well, which is where you've got a real chance. Whereas Gibson, even though he's a right footed player, playing, you know, they often like to play off the mm. left now, don't they? Like, he's quite mm. comfortable being that right. He likes whipping the balls in, doesn't he? Rather than yeah, well, I think side. if you if you were to play a four three three with Gibson on the right, it would actually give you the ability to go back to the three five two with Gibson sort of in the hole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, and have like. Dennis and Patrick or whoever is your front two. Yeah. Um so, so you mix it up. Yeah, you'd be able to sort of mix up your formation without mm. having to take anyone off. Yeah. If you did I, that. Yeah, that's that, that, that's a really fair point actually as well. And I and I kind of feel as well Gibson also offers a lot more defensively in terms of supporting whoever's playing at right wing back quite often or right back. Mm. Whereas I don't think you might get that in the same way from a Patrick or a Gordon out on the right possibly. Um yeah, so I mean, we've already touched on the fact that there wasn't really any bite to the performance and that, that was the, one of the strangest... That, that for me still is the strangest thing about this. Mm. The fact that there wasn't that bite of, you know, going for tackles and stuff and Moxon wasn't playing in the same way. Guy certainly wasn't playing in the same way. It's probably one of his poorest games for a while. We haven't really mentioned that, but yeah. And I know Harris came on and he, he got a bit of stick from some of the fans, but for me, what are you expecting from a player who's not played since New Year's Day to come in out of the cold, having not been on the bench even most mm. weeks, to come in and play in a midfield two, because it was a 4-2-4 we played in the second mm. half at times. It's a bit much to expect him to then come and just completely dominate the game. I, I don't think he's ready for League 2 football yet. I think we all agree with that. In mm. fits and start, he's okay. But I, I think we need to be careful to be getting on his back. I don't think it's particularly fair in him, to be honest. And No, I think he it, it clearly looks like a player who's lacking confidence, and I think yeah. getting on his back isn't going to help with that. Yeah. Um, but I think I, I do think that he could maybe do with a spell out on loan, if yeah. uh, if possible. I don't think it's possible at the moment, no, is it? Because of the of until Charles gets back, really, with well, a bit yeah. stuck, because he already really got mm. McCallman. And there's a question whether, whether he maybe could have given McCallman a few more minutes, possibly. I can see why he brought Harris on. Because he's a big, strong, physical lad, and that's where well, and Simmer said he's been doing very well in training as well. He did, yeah. Simmer made a very big point of saying that after the game, he he didn't, he wasn't even asked on Harris. He just said, you know, Jaden's been working really hard and really impressed me with his attitude in training and the way he's been performing as well. So that's probably why he's brought him in. I think, I think you probably would have seen a different Jaden Harris if we'd been playing four three three, and that's mm. why I do wonder if maybe, you know, I don't want to get on Simmer's back too much here, but maybe he could have brought off. Gordon possibly and and brought McCallman on and gone with a four three three instead for a little bit of the game. I mean the damage was done really. No. You're talking about rearranging the dead yeah. chairs and the Titanic. To no, me. no, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, in terms of performances, like, if you're going to pick out players who play for a little, I mean, Moxon actually did have quite a good game. To be fair, he was okay. I mean, even at right back, he looked very comfortable there. It's different because they weren't putting the same level of pressure on. I do know yeah. that, but he looked okay there. Um, I thought Mellish played okay, to be honest. He didn't really make any big mistakes in there. There was one time he passed it out for a, um, a corner, but uh, that one he'd actually done really well to get back and win the ball and, and prevent them attacking and just couldn't get his feet sorted to play it back to Holy. Um, and yeah, I think Robinson actually looked okay when he came on. You know, he had a few nice little moments, some nice little touches. But beyond that, slim pickings, this game, I think it's fair to yeah. say. I, uh, I mean, uh, some of his post-match comments. I, I listened to the Radio Cumbria ones. Yeah. I haven't heard his ones with the official website, and it it seemed very much more. Uh, I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed, which is yeah. 
sometimes sometimes worse. I think to he, be honest, I think he was very careful in the way he worded it, and I think he he didn't want to just tear into him because I think he knew it was it was not performance of of having a been awful and having a bad bad attitude. It, I think he knows it was a confidence issue tonight. It just seemed to be they hadn't played with no confidence, mm. and he doesn't want to tear into him. He wants to build that back up and. Yeah, he's very pointed. He's very careful in what he says in most games. Doesn't need to be fair, and, and mm. that's the way it is. Um, before we wrap it up, Mike, I just, I just want to talk a little bit about in terms of the reaction to this, in terms of the fan reaction, because I, I think most fans, to be fair, and, and looking at the reaction at the game, they didn't get booed off. I think there was a little bit of a shell shock element to that, but mm. most fans politely applauded the team off, and I think they knew that he just it'd been it'd been one of those nights where. Just circumstances brought it about that seven or eight players all had stinkers, you know, mm, and that, yeah, exactly. that doesn't happen. But you maybe have one or two players who have a bad game and or make a mistake, or something. You know, Huntington's mistake against Harrogate didn't actually have a bad game against Harrogate, but he made the mistake, mm. didn't he? That can happen. But to have a game where seven or eight of your players play like that is totally unheard of. Usually, so yeah. I think that you can look at it in that way. Um, I've got to call out some of the utter rubbish I'm seeing online. I've seen it on Twitter, I've seen it on the clubs, you know, on the B Justin Fair, on Facebook, a couple of things. This this conspiracy theory that some people have come up with, you've <laughs> seen it before, and it's been around yeah. for countless times, that allegedly that the club can't afford to go up, and when we get into the position, we're going to get into promoted, they tell the players to throw it or whatever. And I think that'd be funny, but three or four times this happened since we've gone down now. Mm. And as someone said on, on the groups, that's 80 sets of players who've allegedly... <laughs> You know, throwing these games or trying not mm. get a promote. They're not trying hard enough. How exactly do you do you tell these players not to try? Because I'm not being funny. If you do that, then you're gonna have to pay those players to do it. Well, you might as well use that money to get yourself up, or use it mm. when you get up. And it's exactly. like, oh, it's, it's more expensive in League One. You get. Bit, I mean, I'm not being funny. If you get into League One, potentially you've got the likes of Sheffield Wednesday, um, Ipswich Town, Derby County, mm. Barnsley will bring it up, Bolton Wanderers. These clubs will bring... I mean, you're going to potentially wig an athletic in there next season who would bring a load mm-hmm. up as well. Hull City, maybe. Yeah, Hull City, Blackpool. And I'm not being funny, but <laughs> that that makes a difference. Mm. And and it certainly would allow us to get bigger budgets, but better crowds. You probably have more fans coming down week in, week out. You'll probably be getting five or 6,000 most weeks. Mm. So this idea you can't afford... It's the biggest load of bollocks I've heard in my life, and it's, mm. actually, it's starting to redo my head in now. <laughs> Honest to God, the, the club should, should consider starting selling Carl United tinfoil hats. In the club shop because they'd make a fortune. <laughs> they'd be able to afford to get into the championship with the amount of money they get from some of the idiots, and I'll call them idiots because that's what they are. It's nonsense. It's the biggest load of rubbish ever. Mm. After one bad performance as well to do that as well, it's it's, it's mad. I yeah, also need to make a point exactly. about, about the revisionism in terms of how we're doing this season and how we're doing in terms of recent form. This idea that suddenly, oh, you know, we're a terrible side, or we're in really bad form. Not be funny, but. Both me and you at Wimbledon at the weekend. What did you make of that performance at the weekend? It was just it was a decent away point, but it's it's one of them where you kind of you need to follow it up with the home yeah, win on the yeah. Tuesday. You, you do need to follow up the home win, but it was a good performance. Yeah, Harrogate was an all right performance. You know, it wasn't outstanding. It wasn't blowing mm. you away performance, but again, we had what nineteen shots in that game on another day. A couple Harrogate, of days ago, Harrogate, you would have dis- been disappointed with the draw. Yeah. And but and so to get zero points is even worse. It's you know? frustrating, isn't it? It was a frustrating one, that one, because we actually played okay. And on another day, a couple of those chances, that you know that header from mm. um, Dennis goes in, a couple of those chances go in, you win one or two nil, and you think, great. Mm. Not not an outstanding performance, but you know what? We, we dug it out and got a really good win. Mm. 
as it was. Luck didn't go our way in that one. And then, yeah, and you go back, and then you go back to the game after before that, and what was that? Car United 5, Barrow 1. Mm. It's not that long ago that we absolutely battered Barrow, and don't, mm. please don't tell me we didn't play well that night, because we did. Exactly. Against Rochelle away, we dug out a, a good performance and a win on a poor mm. pitch. We did mm. what we had to do. Against Hartlepool, we were comfortable for that game. Mm. Really comfortable, and you know what? Take away Moxon's mistake. We comfortably win that 3-0, and you say that is a, you know, a performance of a team going up. Let's not overreact to one result where, as you mentioned, I think you said before, Mike, it was basically just four, you know, four arse-ups on goals, basically, from us. Four mistakes mm. is what it was. Yeah. And in terms Makes of sense. stats and reflection, I think someone point, I think it was CUFC stuff on Twitter pointed this out. The point we've reached today with 31 games is the same point of Keith Millen's last game last season, the 3 0 to against Swindon. Not the same date, but the same point in terms of number of games played. Mm. And look where we are. At that point, we were on what? How many points were we on? 22 or something like that, I think it second was. Second bottom. We were, we were second league. bottom. 22 points, right? And look at us now. We're up third. Yes, I know we're third technically because, you know, Northampton would probably overtake us if they win their game in hand and they keep up pace with us. But, you know, we're in third place on... How many points are we on, Mike? Uh, sorry, I've, can't get the table to load up. I'm trying to do this while the table's not loading for me. So, so yeah, we're nice. currently on fifty-two points, right? Mm. In in third place, and yeah, at this point, yeah, we're on. So we're on twenty-eight points after thirty-one mm. games at this point, right? In second bottom, right? Having played a game more than Oldham, who were placed above us, we've come a hell of a long way in twelve months. Yeah, and we always felt this was a rebuilding season. To be where yeah. we are, we're well ahead of schedule. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. As CFC, CFC stuff said, a bit of perspective, please. And that's exactly what we need. If we get one more point, if we get a point at the weekend, we've equaled our points tally for last season. Mm. Exactly. I mean, that, that's, the, that's an incredible turnaround when you think about it. And we'll yeah. still have, what, 14 games left to play at that point. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's not to mean people can't be disappointed. You know, we, we, should, we should have beaten Harrogate and this and that and the other. And... That doesn't mean people can't be disappointed, but sometimes you just need to take a little step back and think, all right, well, considering where we were 12 months ago, you know, this season was a rebuild season. Um, I'm not even entirely sure Simo and the players themselves would have said automatic promotion in terms of the pre-season expectations this season. Um, So, yeah, just a little bit of uh, perspective sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. And there's no need to throw the, the baby out with the, the bathwater, is there really? We've got, we've got to be calm at this. Probably needs to be some tweaks of the team, which we'll talk about in a minute. Mm. But yeah, let's, 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 let's calm down. Let's calm down, and hopefully we'll get a decent result the weekend. In fact, let's talk about that now. So let's take a short break, and then we'll be back to talk about the Colchester United game. Hi, I'm Owen Moxon, and you're listening to the Brunton Bugle. And we're back for the second half of the show, where we're going to be looking ahead to this weekend's game against Colu. Um... Yeah, uh, we've got a question of the week that um, Dan has provided for us. So, uh, should we do that first, Mike? Yeah, go on. So, here's Dan's question. Now, there's not too many players have made a move between Carlisle and Colchester. One of them, though, was uh, goalkeeper Ben Williams. So, my two-part question is, after moving from Carlisle to Colchester for a couple of seasons, Williams was then released... Which club did he then sign for? And at that club, 
he was in a squad with two other players who also played for Carlisle. Who were they? Right. Ooh. I fit, did he not go to Hibs? Ah, yes. I think he did. He went to Hibs, but who would the players be, be? Well, that was around the time I think Tom Tywo was there. Yeah. Um, and the other one... Oh. No, it would have been Tom. No, would it be Tom Tyler? No, he didn't I, go that late, that late, did he? I thought it was. Well, maybe he did because he would have stayed at Hips a while. Maybe I don't know. Yeah. Oh. Uh, well, who, who else has played for us in Hibs? I can't think of anyone. No. <laughs> I mean, Harry McCurdy, but that, that's more recent. So, that's well, not yeah, him, is it? Um, right. We'll come back. So I'll have a little thing on that. We'll come back yeah. to them later on before when we do the XFL section. Um, yeah. So uh, first up, we've got the behind enemy lines section. Uh, this week we spoke to Max from the Views on the U's uh, Colchester United podcast. What we talk about? We talked about their horrendous start to the season and remarkable recovery since the new year. The importance of their January transfer window business and what their owner actually wants from the club because it's a strange setup there and that he's put a lot of money in, but they just seem to go backwards every season. So here's a chat I had with Max. So yes, here we are for this week's Behind Enemy Lines section, and this week we're talking to Max from the. Views on the Us podcast. We've tried. We've, we've tried to record once here, and I've got it right this time. I think, haven't I? In terms of the name of the podcast, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's fun. Excellent. So, from the views on the uh, on the Us uh, podcast, let's talk about all things Colchester. Couldn't really pick a better time for you guys, at least, to speak to you because back when we spoke to you at the start of the season, there wasn't a huge amount of optimism in terms of your expectations for the season, and up until the turn of the year, that proved to be justified. But your turnaround since. New Year's Day has been remarkable. What on earth has changed? Yeah, so very much, like you said, doom and gloom at the start of the year. Um, a lot of people had us down as uh, relegation favourites. And I can understand it, to be fair. If you looked at the side, it was very much a, an ageing side with some with some sprinkle of, of, of young players and not particularly you know, great coach in, in, in Wayne Brown. But um, so he left, Matt Bloomfield come in, End of September um, wasn't particularly the most popular choice in the world, given his experience and his age, and obviously the, the situation we we was in. But uh, yeah, sort of coming towards the end of the year, it took him a little bit of time to to, to get going. Um, but he's he's found a formation that works. Um, he's got rid of some players that he didn't want in the team, and I think he's built an atmosphere that where players are, you know. They, they seem to be sort of given a lot more. We're not to sort of question anyone's professionalism, but there seems to be a better camaraderie around around the team, especially with the fans, which I think helps. And then, and then in January, it's we've bought good players. It's, it's as simple as that. Sometimes, isn't it? Football is. You look at the players we bought in: Matt Jay from from Exeter and Connor Hall from Port Vale. There's a few others, but we've bought in some real quality players, which we're not really used to, and. That's only helped things. They've gone straight into the team, and it's a yeah, it's completely different sort of scenario than where we were at the start of the season. Yeah, so Matt Bloomfield seems to be the obvious point to start on here with this. Then, um, obviously, as you mentioned, there a risky appointment broke your usual cycle, which was generally promoting from within, wasn't it? Or people who are involved in the club in some way by going for someone who's inexperienced, the first time boss and. Seems to have really taken well to the role. What, what's he done in terms of sort of changing your playing style and that kind of thing? Yeah, so, yeah, very much was the internal appointments was the done thing at Colchester United. Finally, they realised that it wasn't working and the quality of yeah. coach we had internally just were nowhere near it. So, but 
Yeah, I, I, a few people, myself included, were worried about Bloomfield because because he was so young and this was his first job. That maybe they'd still have a bit of influence over him and and maybe the team and and how they play. But that hasn't been the case. Um, like I said, the formation is more of a five-two-one-two, I guess you could say, which defensively gets us, you know, more solid as an extra centre half in there. But then that also allows us to have two up top um, wing backs. One of the wing backs, Chamadu, is, is is a brilliant player that allows him to less sort of defensive duties, which allows him to to kick on um, and do a bit more damage up the field, um, and, and just get him. You know, players like Noah Chilvers, for example, who's a young player who was out of the squad for a bit, just, you know, allowing him to sort of, you know, work his way through his rough patch and just, and just yeah, people playing in the right positions has uh, helped us. And it's, um, it's, been a, it's been a massive change. I think certainly defensively is this, this, the main difference. Is we're a lot more solid. We don't score loads of goals, but um, we've done enough. We've found a way to, to win games, which isn't, always the prettiest and it's yeah it's just a bit of know-how you've seen you know from him to just to get the job done yeah you mentioned the trauma do there does he play down the right or down the left for you guys he he plays on the right yeah he's a right Right. very much a modern day one Right, okay, because he, he might have a bit of a test to me because pretty much all of our play goes down the left generally <laughs> through Mellish and Armour and uh, oh, Gordon or Patrick. So you, you might you might be a bit more busy defensively for this game. You never know. Um, <laughs> let's let's talk about your owner, Robbie Cowley. Um, he's, yeah, as a club, you've been in a bit of a downward spiral in recent years. You've really struggled to get top half finishes even in League Two. Uh, and you've, you've sort of got yourselves away from trouble most seasons as, as you've done again this season. Um now, what's what's the fans' views on him? Because he he's taken a bit of stick in the past, but something seems to have changed recently. Like you said, he seems to be actually going out and trying to sign decent players instead of heavily relying on the, the youth setup as you have done in in previous seasons. Yeah, I, I think I still think the majority would say they're not the biggest fan of of, of Calvin. Sort of given, mm-hmm. you know, but you know, what football's like you're quick to forget things when 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 yeah. on the pitch is is going well. That's how football works, isn't it? So, look, he, he he's put his money in his pocket, his hand in his pocket rather, and he's, we've spent some money on some on some good players, um, and he's he's gone external with his managerial decision, and it looks like they've just left him alone to to manage a team to pick a formation that that he wants. Um, yeah. There's there's still a lot of stuff that's happened previously. Some comments, the, certainly the way he he ran the club sort of during during COVID. But the the club's in a in a good position, certainly financially. And I think now we're starting to see him make some moves and decisions to to for the club to improve on the field as well, which is which is good. I, I mean, if he were to, to to sell up, who would who would who would buy it? Who knows? It's sometimes better mm. the devil you know. But um. But as long as we're playing on the pitch, you know, no one tends to, to care what's happening upstairs until until we're not. So at the moment, he's um he's okay in in the fans' book. I mean, you're absolutely right there in terms of if things are going all right on the pitch. People tend to forget the stuff that's any issue off the pitch. But we're a prime example of that. Our owners have been trying to sell the club for years. We've got this debt hanging over our necks, really, and have done for so long. But because we're having such a good season, no one's really talking about it, to be honest, in the same way. So it's, it just shows sometimes, doesn't it? Uh, January transfer business, um, as you touched on already, it, it seems to be one of the big factors in your your turnaround. I mean, 
we we put together a little sort of fact file thing for each episode we record, and I was looking through it, and you guys sent every single loan player back except uh, Quasi Apaya. <laughs> he got a loan from Crawley. Now, I imagine he, <laughs> he probably didn't want to go back to Crawley, I'd imagine, but no, the rest of them, like Charlie owns the QPR, but Bez Labala to Blackpool and Danchester to West Ham, and Matty Longstaff, I mean, his career's taken a hell of a nosedive, uh, going, all, yeah. going back to Newcastle from his loan. Was it just a case of none of them really were? Because we, we've been saying this to opposition fans for weeks now that it seems to be a bit of a trend this season in League Two that play, clubs are getting five players in on loan in August and usually maybe only one or two of them are actually staying in January. Yeah, it was poor recruitment in, in, the, in the summer. Mm. I think Nabala was a really good player when he, when he had the opportunity. He had a couple of injuries, but... I think he's an out-and-out winger and we don't play with them at the moment. So that, I think that's yeah. one of the main reasons why he went back. Otherwise, I think he would have stayed. Um, Dan Chester's, again, a good player, but I don't think there's not there's not a lot of room for, in my opinion, for centre-attacking midfield players in League Two. I don't think many teams play with them. They're a bit of a, a luxury no. player, I, I think so. And he, he just couldn't really find a position. He wasn't trusted in centre-midfield. So he went back. Longstaff, I think he said he's he just when he played you could see glimpses of you know coming from the Premier League but it was very much just not I think he had an injury in the end as well but just wasn't good enough plain and mm. simple um so they all went back and and yeah I think it was just you know these loan signs are, are like you know how how sort of interested are they really I mean I'm not so sure they were they weren't good enough I guess is, is probably the best way of putting it and they just they just didn't work out and I suppose someone like Apaya is someone who's played at this level quite a bit, so he probably gets it a little bit more. And I know he's not played that many games for you guys, but in a sense, he's probably a more useful player to have in your squad, I guess. Yeah, and we were desperately short up front, and we still are, really. I know we've signed Hopper from, from Lincoln, but we're still a bit short up top. Scoring goals is a bit of a problem for us. But um, Apaya's a good player at this level. He Again, he's had his, his injury issues, but yeah. when he's been on the pitch, he's, has done well. So he was one that kind of has paid off and is a good player but um yeah the other's not so good yeah but that's loan signings isn't it they're very much hitting me aren't they oh 100% I mean the ones we brought in last January I'm looking at it now um Finn Back and Ben Barkley they're only two of the five that survived basically and and Barkley we're kind of stuck with because we got him from Stockport they didn't really want to take him back Finn Back has been brilliant he genuinely has been an outstanding player for us unfortunately he's out injured until sometime later in March, I think. Um, and then yeah. you've got the other three. Jack Stretton was bought by Stockport and we couldn't afford to match the wages they offered, unfortunately. Right. And um, and the other two, Sonny Hilton going back to to Fulham. Very similar to actually to what you're saying about Dan Chester, an attacking midfielder, a little bit of quality. One. You could see the glimpses of quality, but just nowhere to fit him in the team, really. And then I can't even remember who the one was. Duncan Iden on loan from Bristol City, who, paid about two minutes which, which probably tells you all you need to know he was basically there as cover looking at the players you brought in um yeah it does seem to be like like there's a lot of fork gone into in terms of your recruitment that the good solid players have a little bit of quality as well i mean in terms of solid players connor wood from Leighton orient seems to be a you know a decent play he seems yeah. to have done all right there connor hall's won promotion with with port vale hasn't he so you know he's yeah. gonna be good Kelleher, I've not been that convinced by him when we play against Bradford, but I guess he could do better elsewhere. But I mean, the one that stands out, as you mentioned already, Matt Jay from Exeter. I think everyone's sort of, everyone's eyes lit up on this other. Like, wow, he's gone to Colchester. I mean, yeah. what, what, what's happened in terms of these transfers? Are you, are you pretty happy with them? Yeah, it, football's amazing, isn't it? You just listen yeah. to you speak there. The, 
I mean, Connor Connor Wood's been really good at left back. He's been solid. Um, Connor Hall is a Rolls Royce of a centre half. What on earth he's doing playing with us? I mean, I know he he does live fairly locally, so I, I think that's mm. one of the reasons why he wanted to to leave. But he is way too good for for, for League Two. I'd be well, hope. I know he signed a two and a half year deal, but if there's teams that are fairly local to us in in League One, then I don't I don't think he'll be he'll last that long because he's way too good. Um, Kelleher, he's been a bit of a cult hero since he's signed. Um, I think he's come up with two goals and has looked really, really solid. He, he looks a bit uneasy because he's quite tall, very skinny. It doesn't look like he's the the best sort of mover, but very solid um, centre-half. And I married and that, Patrick tore him apart when, we played, when he made his uh, second debut for us really? last season. I give us, so yeah, that's, that's my memory of him, you see, so... Well, hopefully he get a better performance this weekend and he can show you how, how good he is. But it's funny, Matt Jay's probably been the worst of the lot, and that's a bit harsh because he's he's been a, he hasn't played every game. But when he has played, I think he's struggled to to get in it. Again, he's only small, isn't he? You know, these some yeah. of these two sort of defences are like they're very much kick lumps out of you. So, but the, the quality's there, you can see it. Um, I think it's only a matter of time before he he shows us what he can do. But on the whole, the signings were. Yeah, I mean Tom Hopper from Lincoln again. You're thinking, how how on earth are we mm. we getting these players? We're obviously spending some money, which is which is great. But every time you see a num- name pop up, you're thinking, no chance. Why would they they come to us? But uh, I guess money talks, doesn't it? And um, there's there's obviously a project here that that, that, we, that we've sold them on. So look, happy days for for, for you, fans. In, in terms of uh, the rest of your squad, who are the sort of danger men for us to watch out for? I mean, I, I was looking at it this week, preparing for our preview, and there seems to be a lot of quality in attack. We obviously mentioned Matt G and Tom, Tom Hopper already in a pair, but you know, you know, Frank Nubler, John Akinde, Freddie Sears, Alex Newby, some pretty good players in, in attack. I'm guessing a few of them might be injured, but based on what you said before, but who, who else do we need to look out for? Yeah, we well, definitely won't see Frank Newblay and Freddie Sears. They've been bummed out yet. I don't think they'll play for us again this year. Um, oh, okay. So they're they're gone. Um, yeah, Akinda, <laughs> I'm not convinced he's a football player to go and see the league. That 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 might be harsh. But after what I saw on Tuesday night, I, he uh, did everything he could to to avoid touching the ball. I think. But um, <laughs> yeah, the Chamadu, like you mentioned. Uh, Right wing back is a is a real threat. Certainly going forward, if he can, yeah. if he has a bit of space, he's gone. Um, Noah Chilvers, who come through our academy, is is a bit of a hero here. He's he's brilliant. He's he does a bit of everything, and he's a real threat in a, in the last third. And um, yeah, it's, Tom Hopper up front is is a real handful. Um, you can see why we we wanted him. So if we can get the right service to him, which we struggled to service the strikers last couple of weeks, and then we, yeah, we we can. Those are probably the the, the danger men, I'd say. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, just I've got to ask you in terms of for the rest of the season, what what are your hopes? I mean, looking at it, to me, I'm speaking as outside here. I'm sure you won't want to get too cocky on it, but it looks like you you're not quite safe yet, but you're getting yourself into a position where you're pretty much safe because partly because Rochdale and Hartlepool are so hopeless in the same way that <laughs> Scunthorpe and and Oldham were last season, sadly. Um, sure. Is is there kind of a, a feeling that you guys can maybe get yourself into that sort of mid-table, sort of 12th place somewhere around then and get yourself ready to kick on next season? Yeah, it, it wasn't long ago where, when we was, some people, not myself, were talking about, so, oh, we're only sort of 10, 15 points off the playoffs. But <laughs> um, I don't think we're anywhere near that. Look, yeah, it, it, I think we're looking up rather than 
down now. Yeah. That might be famous last words, but I think um, there's a bit of a gap between us and the team above us. So finish as high as we can. You know, there's no reason why we couldn't try and sneak into the top half. I think very much we, it's the big ones next year. I think that's going to be a big one for us. I think a lot of people might fancy us next year if we continue to to build and bring in the players we are. So win as many games as you can, finish as high as you can, I suppose. It's, it's, it's yeah, anything's a bonus, really, at this point. Let's just keep winning games of football because over the last couple of years, we've not, we've not done much of that. No, I've known that feeling in recent seasons, definitely. Um, Max, thanks very much for your time. Before we finish, um, can you give us a prediction for this weekend's game? Prediction. Interesting. Well, the thing is, I'd like to ask you, Lee, is... is I hope you don't take this uh, offensively, but Carlisle, to me, at the start of the year, I, I wouldn't have had you guys anywhere near it. So I'd just like to see what, yeah. what can what can we expect. i be honest, I, 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 I couldn't name you probably two Carlisle players, so that probably doesn't help. But it seems Brandon Dickinson, you could name, couldn't you? But that's about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. well, yeah, absolute sort of rocket of a left foot when he when he Yeah, unfortunately, so, out, out for the season with ACLs. Oh, he is he? Literally in the last training session before the first game of the season. So Such a shame, because he's got yeah. proper ability if he can get him fit. Yeah. But um, I'll give you a prediction, and then I'm going to go 1-1. I think we might... Um, we, we're tough to beat. We don't score many, but... We're tough to beat. I know you guys would have looking at bounce back after what happened in midweek, mm. but I'm going to go one-one. Yeah, what what as you, what can we expect then? Because I'll be like I said, Carlisle is it seems to be a, a bit of a surprise to me, but like I said, I, I don't know a great deal. I, I think we're all fairly surprised that we're in third place. <laughs> I don't think anyone expected that at the start of the season. I thought there was a feeling that we could do better than the predictions were putting us out for like. 19th, 18th, like one place better than last season. But there was always a feeling, ah, we, we can finish mid-table, that'd be a decent season. And when we got ourselves up to the playoffs and we were pretty much in there since, you know, October, whatever, it's kind of like, all right, maybe we are the real deal, maybe we're quite good. And we've, we signed well in January, but yeah. we've we've been plagued with injuries all season, pretty much the whole season, bar maybe the last six weeks, but even now that's starting to get bad again, we've had probably 10 players out injured. I mean, three of those have been long-term ACL injuries, one of which is Dickinson, obviously. Yeah. But then there's been like hamstring in- injury after hamstring injury, and it's been so frustrating that we've not we've had a fairly consistent back line, but we've had to tweak things in attack quite a bit and a little bit midfield too. So it's it's been a bit bit frustrating in that sense. After what happened on Tuesday night, I have a feeling you'll probably see a very different performance from us. I think you'll see a probably full sure. bloody one because most games we've played this season, we've been our midfield especially has been brilliant at pressing and harrying the opposition and winning the ball back and getting straight on the attack. They didn't do that on Tuesday. So two, seven or eight players basically had stinkers at once. And it, you know, you'd maybe get away with that against the Rochdale or someone, but against the Mansfield that is so efficient. And so, of course, yeah. good on the ball. They're not, they're not the best team in the division, but when, when you know, when you get someone like Stephen Quinn on the ball, putting balls in the box, he's going to pick people out. So that, that that was the problem. So I, I think you'll see a different performance compared to what we had on Tuesday. I can't see us having two stinkers in a row. We haven't really done that this season. So with any I don't, luck, after what yeah. after what I saw on Tuesday night, I don't think you're you're lucky to get two goals out of us that are four. <laughs> so I wouldn't. Oh, I think we'll um, we'll try and frustrate rather than than come out and and play. So um, yeah, I'm going to go one one. I don't think it'll be the prettiest game, but um, any any point for us at the moment is good. So um, yeah, that's what I'm going for. Max, thanks for your time and all the best for the rest of the season after this weekend. Yeah, and you. Thanks, Lee. Keep keeping an eye out for the um, train tickets. I think 
they might go on sale after this, by the end of this week, possibly if there's no strikes announced. For which game? For the Grimsby one, because that's the one you can go to. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll keep so, an eye on that one. Yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. <coughs> yeah, once again, thanks to Max for giving up his time to speak to us about all things Colchester. I mean, it's, what a turnaround they've had, Mike, in terms of this season. It's, it's incredible, isn't it, really? And just in yeah. the last month or so. It's, it's almost Simo-esque, isn't it? But they've got it a little bit early and with the fact that they've had been able to bring good players in in January has helped a little bit, hasn't it, really? Slightly different in that sense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we're looking ahead to this month, this was the game that I was most scared of. Um, worrying now, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, you, you can't be scared of anyone if, you, if you're going to be going up for promotion, can you? So there you no. go. Uh, so yeah, this weekend, uh, the referee for the game is Neil Hare from Cambridgeshire. It's his fifth season as an EFL referee. This season, he's taken charge of 19 games so far, uh, handing out 70 yellow cards and six red cards. God, a red card every three games or so, isn't it? Which is remarkable, yeah. isn't it? In fact, he handed out one uh, mid- midweek in the crew Hartlepool game. Have you seen this red card? I don't think it's I have. Oh, no, no, I have. Yeah. And I, we, yeah. Incredibly soft. I'm struggling to yeah. see the actual foul. You know, the... Yeah. the you know, the offence was really, it's a mm. really strange one, that one. So, I mean, hopefully he'll keep his cards in his pocket for this game, but we can't guarantee that, can we, with mm. the number of he's handed out this season. Uh, last season he handed out 106 yellow cards and just one red card in 32 games. So he's making up for it, isn't he, this year? Has his wife left him in that oh, interim God. or something? Something, yeah, he's clearly not very really happy, <laughs> is he? Um, uh, last night, uh, last United game, sorry, he took charge of, was the 1-0 defeat at Mansfield Town in December uh, 2020. I put 2001 in. It's not 2000, it's 2021, I think it is. <laughs> um, it's his first ever visit to Brunton Park, though. Never been up to mm. Brunton Park, so interesting to see. It's a long way to come from Cambridge, isn't it? It's a referee mm. game. There you go. Head-to-head record, it's the 57th meeting of the two sides. United have won 19, 15 have been draws, and Colchester over won 22, so they're slightly ahead of us in terms of uh, the um, head-to-head. Um, yeah, Mike, Colchester... I mean, in pre-season, we all thought they would struggle a bit because we didn't really think there was much quality in the squad, did they? And they, again, they mm. were relying heavily on the, the old guard from Ipswich that they all seem to sign. Mm. Um, January, they've done some business, haven't they? I think mean, it's fair to say. Obviously, they've had, yeah. they've had players. The lone players all went back, basically, but um, Kwesi Apaya, who's on loan from Crawley Town. I think even he's like, I'm not even going back to them, <laughs> probably. <laughs> um, so all the others, they had a player on loan from QPR. They had Bez Labala uh, on loan for Black, but his career's taken a nosedive, hasn't it? Mm. He was, you know, the next big thing at, at Crawley, it just hasn't worked out since he left them. Uh, Dan Chester from West Ham and Matty Longstaff from Newcastle, really, I mean, he's, again, there's another player's career's taken a real nosedive. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, so, yeah, and they sent a few players out on loan, one to Harrogate and two to Dundee. Um, and then what they brought in, they've just been really smart. Connor Wood from Leighton Orient seems a, a, you know, a good, solid player at this level. Arthur Reed looked a real good talent at Stevenage last season, you know, mm. even when they were struggling. So clearly not fancied much by um, uh, Steve Evans there. Uh, Fierce, uh, Fiacra, sorry, uh, Kelleher from Bradford. Um, yeah, I've not been particularly impressed with him when he was there, but maybe it'll work out better for him there. But on top of those, I mean, Connor Hall won promotion last season with Port Vale. Decent player there. Mm. Um Tom Hopper from High Division, Lincoln. A few injuries issues he's had, but you know, he's a good striker. Um, we've got a lad from West Ham, Will Greenwich. 
uh, Greenidge uh, for an undisclosed fee. Tom Smith's a loan keeper just to cover, I think, as much as anything. But the big one's Matt Jay from Exeter. I know. I, 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 when, when that happened, I was like, really? Because I think he was one of the relatively early ones as well, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I, think. I think. I think he's out of contract then the end of the season. He's not played as much for Exeter this year. Mm. And they basically managed to, they offered basically his, his, his buyout clause and Exeter just took it, I think, essentially, just mm. to, to get him off the books. But but yeah, he, he's not quite had the impact yet, I don't think. I'm not sure in terms of what he's, he's got in terms of goals. I'm just trying to get his thing to load here. But yeah, he's one that you think in terms of long, even just long term, on top of his short term mm. stuff, should be a really good addition, shouldn't he? But even then, I mean, you look at some of their other forwards, you know, Frank Nublai, we were sniffing around him not too long ago, weren't we? Yeah. Uh, I just say, he hasn't scored yet. He's, he's played, I think, I think, about six or seven appearances so far. Still yeah. not scored. Oh dear, that's um, not good, is it? <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they've got like Nublay, John Akinde uh, can score goals. You know, Freddie Sears, uh, Freddie Sears <laughs> yeah. Um, and even Alex so Newby that, was a good player. Uh, was he at Rochdale, wasn't he, I think? He yeah, there, I, I think, think so, too. yeah. Um, so yeah, they're really not short in... Uh, in goal scorers, really, but they do have quite a few very old players knocking around as well. Yeah, they're not uh, the, the youngest. Squad, Luke, Cha- Luke Chambers, uh, in fact, Luke Chambers played for Not Nottingham Forest, and I think he may well have played for Notts Forest when we had Joe Garner playing for us, like way back, like in League One. I think you might be right on that one. You know, he's, mm. he's certainly not the youngest. Tommy Smith again is another one who's not particularly young and. Cole Skews, and I think Alan Judge is out for the season. I think so. I think don't think mm. he's likely to feature. But but yeah, there's a lot, there's experience in there. But I mean, when we played them previously, I wasn't impressed with the experienced players. They, they they looked slow. We didn't take advantage of it. it was shock horror. But um, mm. you know. um yeah, Kwesi Apaya as well is an interesting one. He's got seven caps for Ghana as well. They won, I think, back when he was playing at Crystal Palace, possibly. I think. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, he's won. Crawley Town fans really liked actually. It was quite a surprise that he went out on loan, I think. He's got 11 goals in 30 appearances for them. He's mm-hmm. got three and nine for, um, for Colchester. So he's, he's chipped him with a few. So mm. sometimes those sideway moves are some of the best ones you do, aren't they, really, in terms of bringing yeah. players in? Um, but yeah, it, 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 it looks better in attack. But I'm not overly sold on the, this squad still. I still think it's not the strongest. No, I've, definitely think, not. But it's a lot stronger than it was before January. Oh, yeah. Indeed, definitely indeed. Um, Matt Bloomfield, appointed as manager. Ne- never been a manager before, obviously. He's done a bit of coaching. Interesting appointment for them, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't think he was, you know, your standard name off the managerial merry-go-round. And mm. that's where clubs at our level kind of succeed, is you have to take a punt on some of these managers, and they'll either be good or they'll be crap, and there isn't a lot of middle ground with them. Yeah. It's a shame, wasn't it? Because he, he was obviously a, 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 a legend at Wickham Wanderers, wasn't he? He's from, mm. I think he's from that part of the world, isn't he? He's from Felixstowe in Suffolk, isn't he? So just up the road from Colchester. Um, started out, obviously, didn't make an appearance there, but he spent the best part of 20 years playing at Wickham, nearly 500 league, five, sorry, nearly 500 league appearances for them. So, mm. you know, clearly a player of a bit of quality. And he's just sort of made the step suddenly to become head coach at Colchester. and. Mm. A huge, huge risk to do that when you're where you are at the bottom. But actually, probably one of the smartest things they've done because coaches have always had this habit, haven't they, of just appointing from within. Mm. That seems to have been their philosophy for the last few years. And it's really, it's one of the main reasons why they've just headed backwards, isn't it, in recent years? Mm. Yeah, definitely. Big, big risk for them. Um, yeah, so 
in terms of last time out, uh, they drew nil nil with Walsall. So probably another decent result. They'd probably see that as you know another point further away from safety. I mean, you look in terms of where they are on the table now, um, and I mean, are they in danger anymore? Would you say you know 30, thirty-five points? Hartlepool are on twenty-six, having played a game less. Yeah, I mean, mathematically, they're obviously far from safe, but for me, there's other teams that should be a lot more concerned about relegation than them, definitely. I mean, looking at it, they're only six points behind Barrow. Mm. Wow. Which, is, which, you know, probably says mm. a lot more for Barrow's recent form more than anything, I think, it's fair mm. to say. But there you go. In terms of their overall form, they're actually 11th in the last six games form table with a record of lost, drawn, one, drawn, one, drawn. Uh, United are fourth still. <laughs> With a record of one 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 loss drawn loss, mm. so it goes to show. I mean, we'll probably drop down that a little bit in the next few weeks, maybe if we, you mm. know, as we try and pick up our form again, because those losses will come more into the throw of that. Yeah, but yeah. But yeah um, any other points to talk about? Not much else to talk about in terms of cultures. Let's talk about United then. From what Simo says, the eighteen that featured at the weekend is the eighteen we've got available. Plus Jack Ellis should be fit this mm. weekend. What do you do? Is it time to freshen things up? Because I think the problem is, other than changing the, t- the, the the attacking players, the front two, that the goalkeeper take that out the equation for now. Your back five and your midfield three has pretty much picked itself, except for the right back position, for mm. quite a while now, hasn't it? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the the only sort of question is, would you change it to a four at the back? And do something else, um, but for me, you, you know, the formation and systems that we've been using have got us to where we are in the league. And yeah. one freakish result shouldn't change your faith in that. Yeah. And when we play that way, everyone kind of knows their role. All right, yeah, it went horribly wrong against Mansfield, but it, with that three at the back, that's the system that you get the best out of John Mellish. That's the system that you get yeah. to get the best out of Paul Huntington yeah. normally, you know. Um, so yeah, for me, you've got you've got to stick with that. And like you say, I think personnel wise, the defence and midfield do kind of pick themselves. But is it time to maybe change that then? Is it maybe time to as much as anything to freshen up or even give people a little bit of a kick off the backside? In terms of defence, does I mean? We mentioned it before. Morgan Feeney did not have a good game against thing, and I, I'm mm. I'm I'm very loath to say you drop a player after just one bad game. I really, yeah. but it's happened with players in attack. It happens quite often. Gibson's been dropped after having one bad game at times. Mm. Do you potentially say right, Corey Whelan, you're going to play there this this week? And maybe give, uh, give Feeney a little bit of a rest. Maybe I know Simo is a fan of Corey Whelan, and he likes sort of uh, what he brings to the team as a leader, uh, mm. which we maybe lacked a little bit on Tuesday. Yeah, um, it, I mean, it's, I, 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 it's I, kind of, I, I kind of feel it. If Jack Ellis is fit, I'd bring him in for senior. That's not a slight on Joel. Mm. I just think he, he he looked a bit leggy in that game, and he didn't look quite at the races. Mm. And I know it's difficult because Ellis will have been out for what five or six weeks, so you don't really mm. want to throw him straight back in. But I, you, you can always put senior as one of the subs, can't you? And have him ready to come on if he needs to be. Um, yeah, in that situation. Um, and yeah, you know, you you only need to have one midfielder. If you, if you drop Harris for him, maybe you can then have McCallum at your back on midfield, and you just have Mellish to put in midfield if you if you really need to make a change there. Mm. Um, or even Ellis can slot swap into midfield as well if if needs be. You can't he's played mm. there before? So yeah, I, I feel like Ellis should maybe come in. 
midfield three, do you change that up? Do you... I mean, there's a few people suggesting 4 3 3, isn't there? Which would basically see. Let's say you put, put Mellish into midfield, possibly. Into a midfield three with Guy and Moxon. What do you do then? Do you put one of Garner and Dennis down the middle? Probably Dennis, I'd imagine, because he's you know, his top scorer. Mm. And then put Patrick on the left because he doesn't really work on the right. And then maybe. Mm. Do you put. Do you put Dennis or Gordon on the right? That's the question. Uh, so Dennis Trump, or. Sorry. Trump. sorry. Gordon or Gibson on the right is what I meant to say, yeah. Yeah, uh, well, I mean, like I said before, you know, Gibson would give you the option of changing formation without yeah. changing personnel. Um, but Gordon brings that pace to the team. Um, it's it, it's a tough one. I mean, you know, not too long ago, we were playing sort of a 3-4-3. Three, three. Um, yeah. So that's something that Simo might want to do. Just uh, right on the front foot of the team from the very start, you know. Just yeah, and, and you know, and you could do, do that with sort of Patrick and Gordon's pace mm. causing problems out wide in that. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, there is options. I think the main issue on Tuesday was the the sort of lack of a coherent plan B. I don't, you know, what, I don't know even if the coherent plan B was the problem. I think it just they just didn't do the press in the way they're supposed to. Mm. You can play whatever formation you want. You can play a you know, three four three. You can play a five three two. You can play a mm. four three three, a four four two. Whatever. If you don't get other players, you don't press it in the way that we have been. Of course, and and a players of that quality like Quinn, of course you're going to get battered. True. I I, I, I wonder if. It, we get in danger a little bit maybe of worrying about the formation too much as you rightly said I, I think I agree with you what you said before that you stick with that three at the back I don't think there's any issue with that mm. it's just maybe you tweak the personnel slightly even if it's just to give players a break do you look to maybe give McCallum a chance to show what he can do in midfield and then in that case who do you drop I mean arguably you shouldn't drop boxing because he's been brilliant this season does Guy maybe deserve it a rest almost he's play him and, him and them two play pretty much every game almost every minute Mm. It's a bit. It's a bit much to expect them to play every single minute of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say if you were to rest one of them, I'd maybe rest Moxon because he does look like he maybe needs it. Um, but it's, it's the, the problem is you lose you lose a bit of your, your creative drive, then don't you? That's the problem. Oh, you do. Yeah, um, but you know you're losing a bit of his creative drive by playing him when he's not at his best either. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, it's not easy. It's fun. I, I think I think we're all expecting changes for this one, aren't we? I think mm. maybe three or four, possibly. I reckon. I think yeah. right wing back's the obvious one, and then maybe one, two of the attackers, and maybe a midfielder. That's what I think I'm expecting. Mm. But hey, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? Um, yeah, exactly. Right, match predictions. Um, once again, the points total don't change because we haven't scored <laughs> for the third game in a row. Mm. Um, what are you going for for this one? I'm going for the players to be completely rejuvenated with a rocket up the backside, and I'll go for a 3 0 win. And I'll say Mellish will score, Patrick will score, and Dennis will score. Uh, I'm going to go for. I was going to go for 3 0 as well, but I might be a little bit more caught. No, no you know what? 3 0. 3 0. 3 0 win. Christian Dennis, uh, Amari Patrick, and um, Owen Moxon. There you go, that's what I'm going to go for. All right, let's have Dan's prediction. I'm going to go for us to banish the midweek blues, the Valentine's Day massacre as it was, and a 3-0 win. Christian Dennis, John Kaimani Gordon and Owen Moxon to score for me. So we all only changed one between us each. We all picked Dennis. 
Uh, both me and Dan picked Moxon. And I think both me and you picked Patrick, didn't we? Yeah. I know. So well, not a single unique idea between us, is no. But hey, <laughs> we're positive. That's the important thing, isn't it? We're, yeah. we're going to be positive. The, the crowd needs to be positive for this game as well, don't they? We need to oh, from definitely. the very start. We need to be at them. It needs the players. It needs one of those players. That's why I'd almost be tempted to pick Joe Garner from the start. We need someone to go in and basically mm. smash someone in the first few minutes. Mm. Legally, I should point out, which <laughs> got. Garner's done very well. Especially with this ref. Well, Joe Garner's done very well so far, hasn't he, to be Mm. fair to do that. Um, Just getting someone, get the crowd up, win a ball like that. Make sure Colchester know from the first minute, if you think we're going to play like we did against Mansfield, you've got another Mm. thing coming. Mm. And they won't like that. It's a long journey for them to make as well in midweek, so the weekend. So, yeah, yeah, that's what we need from the very start. Um, Right, before we do the X-Files, should we try and work out an answer to Dan's question? Yes. I, I, I can't think of any. There must be someone else who's played the Hibs. The only one that I can think of, but it'd be too early, was Alan O'Brien. He was there, but he was there bef- surely before. Mm, it might be close. Should we go with that? Uh, Let's go. Al- should we go with Alan O'Brien and Tom? Yeah, Tyler, actually, actually no. O'Bri- O'Brien might have been there about the same time because Williams right. was only with us for a season, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, we'll go. We'll go for. Or, yeah, or uh, I think you were right, Tyro. Was too late, but yeah. I wonder, that, but we'll have to. I don't know how how long Williams was there. That's the question, right? So let's get the answer from Dan's question. The club that Ben Williams went to after leaving Colchester was Hibernian up in Scotland, and the two players Sean he played O'Hanlon, alongside, who had also played for Carlisle at some point in their career, the first was Sean O'Hanlon, yeah. who actually left Hibs to come to Carlisle in the twelve thirteen season, and the other is Tom Tayo. Oh. Uh, well, well remembered, Dan and uh, Mike. Even in terms of the mm. uh, the Sean O'Hanlon one, ah, very close there. Though I think we did pretty well on that one. To be fair, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, okay, well, let's do um, the X Files section. This is a full roundup of last week. We didn't cover the X Files for the preview for the Mansfield game because we we just didn't really have time to fit it in. So we'll um, we'll we're covering last weekend and midweek for this one. Uh, let's start with the weekend. Let's start with the highest possible level we can. And it's the big man again, Jared Branthwaite. Another goal mm. for him. He's scored in uh, PSV's 6-0 win over uh, Groningen. So, um, you know, the, the, you can argue all you want about the stand of the Dutch League or anything, but he's really impressive now, isn't he? Obviously, he didn't leave in, in January. There's lots of big clubs sniffing. It's a yeah. matter of time. I Because uh, I've, I've seen a few people say, oh, why would why would everyone want to sell him? You know, they've sent him there to develop him. And, you know, and you know, surely Dyson wanted to use him when he comes back. It's not the way football works. Everton are looking. They need money to reinforce their squad in summer, wherever yeah. they're going to be, in the, whether it's the Championship or whether it's in the Premier League. And they've got to look at players who are saleable who are going to make them money. And most and of the players are crap. For any <laughs> Exactly. And for any player at any level, when a bigger club comes sniffing, they want to go most yeah. of the time. Uh, yeah. And when a player wants to go, there's not always a lot you can do to stop them. Exactly. There's not much you can do. And like I said, Everton will be looking at we do need to raise money here. And... This is the, you know, let's be honest here. Left footed, 20 years old, mm. English, so he adds the homegrown quota, mm. you know, could play across the back three, bit of pace on him. Don't know, really know which foot is his stronger foot either. Clearly a threat from corners as well. Yeah, threat from set pieces and stuff like that. The starting point for this will be probably about 25 million. At the very, front, very least. At the very least. And if you get Man United and Liverpool in a bidding war for him, could get up to 30, 40 million potentially, eh? you, you mm. know, you've, it, it, easily. So, 
it's potentially going to be an exciting summer for us. Let, if they like, Henderson went for twenty twenty five as well, mm. we could be looking at the thick end of seven to ten million <laughs> <laughs> potentially, which is mental to think of, really. Yeah. But but I mean, Simil, imagine what the training ground he could build with that money. Eh? Mm. There you go. Anyway, let's go for the rest of them. Zach Clough, he scored on the other side of the planet. Uh, scored another goal for Adelaide United in their three two win at Western United. James Tavernier, um, he missed a penalty. Uh, in Rangers 3-2 win over Partick Thistle in the Scottish Cup. Did you see this game? Michael, yeah, I saw the mental uh, goal. It, what, I, what I loved about this was the fact that, obviously, basically a Rangers player gets injured. It's not The ref doesn't give a foul, though. But the Partick official players, um, I think the ball comes to a Rangers player and the Rangers player boots it out of play because he's injured. And Partick Thistle are doing the right thing and they take a short throw to the player and he's just going to launch it up upfield to, mm. the, to the Rangers keeper. But because he's not a particularly good footballer, because he plays <laughs> the Partick, he takes a couple of touches to set himself. And the Rangers player, the one who actually got injured, thinks to himself, I'm just going to nip in and nick, take this. Nips in, gets the ball, goes through on goal. Partick maybe could have stopped it, but they were sort of struggling a little bit to get to him. And he scores the goal. And then someone comes in and just pole accidentally. <laughs> they come and mm. shove him. Proper anger of him. I think the Rangers players straight away are like, oh, we've, this is a cock up here, isn't it? And to be fair to mm. the Rangers manager, he does instruct the um, the Rangers players to let the party for players score an yeah. equaliser. Although Alan McGregor was doing his best to jokingly try and stop him, wasn't he, on the line? Yeah. Um, I've always thought that they should let the goalkeeper score one of well, those, those the goals. Whole, there's, a, there's a lot of talk, isn't it, that they're supposed to actually let a goalkeeper score there because because um, of betting markets, because you can't bet on a goalkeeper to be next player to score, and so it prevents any sort of potential fixing uh, in terms of, you know, people coming in with better. I but, bet there's some guy who put a pre-match bet on the goalkeeper to score any time, <laughs> though. Who's yeah. Fuming. There you yeah. go. Um, right, let's go through some of the rest of the ones. That Ryan Loft, he picked up a red card for Bristol Rovers in their 1-0 defeat at Lincoln City. Saw Joey Barton marvelling off about this and a few other things on Twitter this weekend. Yeah. Making a disgrace of himself as usual. As um, usual. Sam Cosgrove, he found the net in Plymouth. 3 1 win over Portsmouth. Flying at the top of League One, aren't they? Looks like they're mm-hmm. heading back to the Championship. Um, Jamie Proctor, he scored a, a rare goal for Port Vale in their 3 2 defeat at Shrewsbury Town. Cole Stockton, he's also back in the goals at the moment. He scored in Morecambe's 1 1 draw with Forest Green Rovers. And uh, Annie, Andy Cook scored a penalty from the uh, scored from the spot. In Bradford City's 3-2 win at Stevenage. He was also named in the EFL and League 2 Teams of the Week. Did you see... Well, we watched this one afterwards, didn't we? The, um, there was a pitch invasion by one of the Stevenage fans trying to get to Cook. As yeah. Well at some point. Just brain dead. And the, the stewards <laughs> made no effort oh, to stop I mean, them. Stevenage players had to drag him off in the end, didn't yeah. they? They had to actually do the stewards' job for them. It's embarrassing. Mm. Uh, into midweek... Geffen Jones, we don't hear about him scoring very often, do we? No. He scored for Baltimore in their 5-0 home win over MK Dons, their second 5-0 win in a row. Mm. They're, they're flat. They're, I mean, we talked about potentially facing them next season. It's not actually looking like it at the moment because well, they could yeah. be going up through the playoffs in League One. Uh, Andy Cook got another goal. He scored in Bradford City's 2-0 win over Tramir Rovers. He's closing in on Christian Dennis at the top of the scoring charts. Come on, Chris. You need to get your scoring boots back on. Um... Kedwin Scott, he netted his 14th goal of the season as Nuts County beat Barnet 4-1 to go five points clear at the top of the National League, albeit Wrexham have got two games in hand of them. I mean, it's insane at the top of there, isn't it? You're yeah. probably going to have two teams finish on over 100 points. Mm. Mental. Absolutely. And one of them might not even go yeah. up. 
which is crazy, but there mm. you go. Uh, Jack Bridge, he's been getting a few goals this season. He scored from the penalty spot in Southland United's 2-1 win over Halifax Town. And finally, another rare goal scorer, Byron Webster. He scored in Bromley's 2-1 win at Altrincham in the National League. Uh, just a couple of other little bits of news that I've spotted this week as well. Uh, Josh Gowling, he's left his role as manager of National League Northside Hereford. And who's he been replaced by, Mike? None Jan of Kolofsky. it. Jan Kolofsky, former Blues trialist. He's uh, taken on as caretaker. Uh, and finally, uh, one that uh, John Coleman actually posted about uh, in the News of the Star this week. Uh, Danny Devine has left Chester to join Farsi Celtic on loan until the end of the season. And I think that's it. I don't think there's any of X-Files bits we missed there. No, I think that's it, yeah. No, I think we pretty much covered it there. Uh, so that's it. So thanks once again to our sponsor, London Branch. Um, in terms of upcoming episodes, we'll obviously have a preview for the uh, for the Crawley game coming up uh, next week as well. Um and we are going to get around to recording that special soon. Dan's working away, drafting something up for that, so that should be really good. And that's it. Just to remind everyone to be positive, isn't it? Just, yeah, just exactly. Don't get down high. It's, it's one result at the end of the day. It's not like we're on a run of, you know, the run we were on when Millen got sacked. And that, mm. you know, that game against Swindon, look back to that. They tore us apart that day. Yeah. Mansfield didn't really tear us apart. We just didn't get to them on a couple of occasions or a few exactly. occasions. That's basically what it is. So. Let's not worry. Come on. We'll get back on back on the wagon this weekend with three points hopefully against Colchester. Yeah, I know they're a team of form, but we can do it. I know we can do it. Yeah. Mike, thanks for joining me. Thanks Cheers. everyone for listening. And up the blues. Up the blues.